Tommy Pope, welcome back to Dad Meat. Yes, dude. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I don't know why I'm talking like I'm in a, <laughs> a, a political race, but this is... Um, yeah, we've been hearing a lot about this kid. We're happy to finally get him on the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure. I mean, since this all started... Um, no, right, so, so you have a chance to win ten thousand dollars, Tommy. Are you ready? Yeah, my dad's gay. <laughs> uh, no, I, uh, I've, I've never done this live with you guys with visual. Uh, the last time we did it, we were bunkered in like a, a Denny's diner. I don't know where the fuck that was, but uh, it was one of the best times I've ever had on on a show. So you guys are killing it right now. Well, I love you, your man. plants. I was just gonna say one thing I really like about you is like every time I zoom with you, you get a nicer and nicer plant set up. Yeah, I'm addicted. I have a uh, a plant guy, Miguel, that um, that uh, is right next to my beer garden that I visit, and he sits in this little cove. <laughs> and, I, and I had a uh, this is called a fiddle fiddlehead tree, um, and uh, it was dying on me. I had no answers. I, I searched, and I felt like a parent, you know, killing its fucking kid. And uh, and I, I asked him a random question. He's like, "Take it here, and I will take care of it for two weeks." So he has. Uh, my adopted fiddle leaf tree that he's bringing back to life. And he's kenneling your trees. <laughs> yeah. And in return, I felt so like, you know, I, I, I was like, I gotta, I gotta buy something. So I bought a new one and then I bought a, um, this is a, uh, a palm. Lovely wow. dude. Hey, yeah, do you do the, do you do the thing with that guy that you do with like everyone everywhere? Like, do you like kiss this dude and like know all of his family members names and shit when you see him? <laughs> No, Kerry makes fun of me for this, but I, I make him feel warm. I, I, I Maybe I put my hand on his shoulder. We're friends now. And, <laughs> that's uh, that's exactly what I'm by. saying. Dude, this is like my fucking town in, in New York is, I hate to be corny, but it's it's like such a, it's such a warm feeling. Like I, I walk past my, um, my Asian uh, laundry guy, Mike, and I wave and then I'll pass my, uh, I got a, a, a GNC type store, uh, some Russian dude. I wave at him in the window, and then I go to my kinship coffee shop. I wave at him, and then I go to my. It's like it's it's like the beginning of a shitty sitcom where like the guy knows everyone. In You're fucking- like Belle in uh, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> bonjour, bonjour. <laughs> <laughs> oh yo, oh yo. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's it's warm. This is all, I only do this in the in the back little uh, dojo area that we have because. It's the only area that we get sunlight from uh, east to west. Dude, actually, kind of. I, I no jokes aside, man. It's, it's kind of sick that like you're the one dude that's like, I love my neighborhood in New York. Uh, the people are friendly. I love seeing their faces. <laughs> Everyone else is like, I should kill myself, but my parents yeah. refuse to pay for my funeral. Well, most people that have this opinion of New York that's so negative, they come from affluence or wealth, and they don't know what they have. Uh, you know, I think they're just spoiled little cunts. To be honest with you, and, I like my old Miguel better. <laughs> yeah, I can get any cuisine within 45 minutes uh, and within two to three blocks, city blocks like th- this place rules. It doesn't close down. Even during the pandemic, I never left tomorrow for our show. It will be the first time I left uh, Queens since this all went down. I'm very excited. I'm going to hug you till fucking old car keys come out of your asshole. And Tommy, uh, one, th- one thing about you is like you have a very intoxicating effect on people that I have never seen anyone else exhibit. <laughs> like people take to you in a, in a way that like. If, if, if you, it's like you rubbing peanut butter on your dick the way the dogs lap it up. <laughs> so I don't know if you're aware of that or not, but you have that effect on men and women. I appreciate that. I think it's important to make someone feel good in a short period of time or just bust their balls and while doing the same thing. Like mm-hmm. in college, I, I, uh, I was told that for the first time because we would have like five, five keg parties at, at Temple uh, in North Philly and it was a shithole. 
and I lived with all these baseball players and all these giant jackass black dudes would come in from the football squad and you know, like the red sea, all these fucking nerds would separate, letting these dudes get to the keg so they can, I don't know, squat it and then eat it. And, uh, and I would just bust their balls. I would just immediately make fun of them. And I had this rapport that was kind of natural where like, if people think you're a real person and not just a, uh, a dickhead or trying to get uh, something out of them, you have like a warm connection in a small mm -hmm. conversation. And as I got older, I realized that like you can do that with anyone as opposed to just with friends and, and acquaintances. So like people within the industry, I always thought like I, I never played that game. I didn't give a shit about this industry or managers or agents or even like club managers getting to know them. I think that's disgusting. That whole process mm -hmm. is not real. I'd rather have a, a an intimate conversation with a fucking Polish diner owner about sneakers. Like I don't I don't give a shit. Like if you could touch someone in, in a very unique way. Uh, and he's completely uh, a stranger. It's more fulfilling emotionally for me. I don't know. It's fucking weird. Yeah, you make me. Uh, I envy that in you. When we go out together, uh, I think it was the last time you were on here. You said that like, you don't go out with me. You have to babysit me. <laughs> yeah. But when like yeah. we walk into like a like a bar or a restaurant, I can never tell if you're just handsome and friendly or if you're related to like the manager, like, but the, <laughs> the way that you guys greet each other. That'd be great. If I set the whole thing up, I was like, look, I got, I need, I'll pay you a hundred dollars. Just everyone go to this one location. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, I need 30 high fives in an hour and a half. Who, who do you have? <laughs> just send them all over. Dude, dude, so when you a complex handshake with the doorman, you're like, this is, <laughs> this is Dude, when you in any situation that you walk into, like you are greeted like a cologne soaked cat. <laughs> like, people, people might not like cats, but as soon as you come up, they're 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 touching you. Yo, fucking Gillis called me a cologne crusader on Matt and Shane. <laughs> they like years ago, they made fun of me, like because I, uh, I cuff my jeans. This is like fucking eight years ago, 10 years ago when they first started their podcast. And uh they were like, imagine like caring enough about cuffing your jeans. And they're just basically calling me a pussy. And now I think about him every single time I put jeans on and busted my balls. And now every time I squirt cologne on myself, because I like to smell good in public, mm -hmm. I just think of Shane's dumb face. So it's uh, it's 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 tough. Dude, there was a there was a time maybe about I would say four years ago where I saw you for the first time in a while. And you immediately looked down at my feet and you cuffed my jeans for me. And from that point on, from that point on, I was like, all right, well, I, I now I am aware that I constantly look like a dad that's chaperoning a fucking field trip. Thanks to Tommy. <laughs> so thank you for that. Yeah. I mean, simple touches. You know, how else are you going to get a plant guy? You got to pick yourself up. Did you do his uh, cuffs yet? Who's your plant guy? No, no, Miguel. No, no, no. I mean, they're, they're high level because he's on a donkey when he works. But uh... <laughs> Knock that off, Tommy. That's not true. Wait, wait. wait. Uh, is he? Is he on a donkey when he works? He is the sweetest, sweetest man. I fucking I adore him. And he's like chunky and 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 he just puts together like bouquets all day long. He's got like a yeah, like the sweetest you know attitude and and persona. He's so I can, Tommy. I picture him singing. Does he sing? I bet I bet he's got a fucking dynamite voice because he has a very high pitched natural voice, which means he's he's probably baritone in the shower. Oh my god. You know? Yeah, it's, uh, I'll ask him. I'll ask him. <laughs> I'll do a cameo with him and I'll send it to you guys. I'll no. have him say hi to, to, to dad me. No. <laughs> That'd be sick. Hola, dad me. <laughs> You're listening to Padre Carne. <laughs> 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 
coming up next on Telemundo. <laughs> uh, Tommy, do you um? How do, how do I want to phrase that? Since since you since you give away kindness, like you're never gonna run out. Do you ever run into people where you're like, ah oh, man, I should have held back on that guy? Like, do people ever make you regret being so warm? Um, again, Carrie, Carrie's kind of my my guide with this kind of shit. Where like she doesn't, I'm kind of oblivious to the times when I want to give natural kindness, but I'm so aggressive about it, and I frighten people. Mm-hmm. Cause like, you know, when, if, if I address a soft person and I'm just genuinely like, how you doing buddy? And I, I get real handsy and they're, they're, you know, they get nervous, but uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, she said, tell a story about a woman on the subway. I don't want to get in that, but uh, Ooh, what happened to the woman on the subway? Uh, no, I just did the same thing. Like we, we, the doors were closing and I bit her ear <laughs> and, uh, and the woman kind of like <laughs> the woman kind of helped me out. And like, I, like I, I put my hand on and I was like, thank you so much. I did like, you know, a soft pop-up rub on the back of her back. I was like, I'm so sorry. You know, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I said, I th- thank you so much. We just, we were so close. We were, but all my fucking, all my Coke energy was thrown right in her face. And she was frightened. Like a cat dude. It was bad. Oh no. She's, yeah. She's still been busting my balls about it, but the woman was just, you know, not ready for, for, uh, for all the love and, and, uh, <laughs> and positive vibes that I was throwing at her unwanted. Me, <laughs> Mike, yeah, Mike and I went and uh, we went and got um, coffee with. Uh, oh man, Jason's moving to Oregon. I can't wait to visit him. But we went and got coffee with him to see him off. And I just I bumbled every interaction with our waitress the, the entire the entire meal. In Oregon? There, no, this was uh, this was in Philly. This was local. This was last this uh, week. There was there was one point where both Chase and my or or all three of us chasing myself and the waitress. Had thought Tim had told this waitress. Whoa! To your top before you, before you say that, I <laughs> every everything that I said. First of all, I I realized I don't like uh, restaurants. I don't like the feeling of being served, and I'm constantly just worrying that I'm gonna like I'm asking too much or I'm being rude, and I don't want to do that. So then I end up like it's like self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. So everything that she says to me. <laughs> I was just trying to like be so quick and like take up as little over time as possible that she had to. I had to repeat everything I said. I was yeah. so mumbling into the table. The 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 jarring phrase that got all three of our attention was when the waitress had asked if he wanted some more coffee. He said, "I'll take a top off," but it came out as "take your top <laughs> off." Well, I mean, it, it, you just say he's autistic. I mean, that's this is like an episode of Love on the Spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> uh, especially with uh, Jason's the same way, though, right? Isn't he kind of like he's quiet in public? Yeah, but Jason's like autistic, but his his savant energy is in socializing. So normal people respond very yeah. positively to him. And yeah, I'm, but his, I'm the opposite. His social positive vibes are like a, like an old Baptist church parishioner trying to recruit you. Like he has like a. <laughs> Like a deep, dark fucking eyeball look at you when he's like being super. Nice. I'm just saying, when you're playing the numbers, that works for more people than it doesn't. Yeah, that's it true. Yeah, that's, that's what true. I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah when she came over and she's like, Can I get you some coffee or whatever? Why well, isn't like one of the most common reactions like, Yeah, I'll take a top off, top me off? Is that not what people say about refilling coffee halfway through? There, I think that is something that people could say, but there was something about the way you said it that the three of us misinterpreted that. Oh my as, god! Yeah, yeah, take your top off. I've yeah. been re-examining my entire life since this. <laughs> you have to look the type 
to say top me off. You know, you gotta have like a smell of like old cigarettes. You have cat hair on like an old fucking, an old jacket. Like you have to look like you eat at a diner all the time. And you also have to be, you should have nailed it prior to, you can't just, that's too strong. You can't come out with top me off when you fucked up the first four statements, I, you know? Again, dude, I'm learning every day, man. <laughs> but but you are right. You could always double down on autism and just raise your voice three times and ask her what train she takes to work. <laughs> I would very much like for you to pour me some coffee and take off your blouse. <laughs> I'm sorry. What did you say? I, I'd like more coffee, please. If, if I could. Yeah, if anything, I just went further into my shell, dude. And like she didn't say she didn't say, did you ask me to take my top off? She was like, excuse me. Like she, it was so sharp that I was like, what did I, what did I, did I step on something? I this, thought that I had like rolled my chair over a foot or something. This quarantine has it actually did fuck up my social abilities. Like, if, you know, after a while you have to, you have to re, you know, re-energize yourself and, and reinvent your personality because you've just been monotonously watching the same dog shit and talking to like three people, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, you I, you don't know what to start the conversation with. And, and most of these fucking drones are talking about either the weather or Corona or some shit. Uh, yeah. You're not, <clears throat> I spoke to, so I forget who I talked about this, but like having a weekly podcast during a pandemic is very difficult because you're not experiencing life. There's no, I don't see you guys. We're not creating stories, right? So how do I bring up something that's impacting my life when really nothing is because you have to look within yourself, within your own schedule. And there's nothing really to talk about there because if you're talking about your own self and your own schedule, you're a pile of garbage. And if that consistently happens during a pandemic, where are you going to pull from the well of interest? I'm not doing anything. I, I walk to the garden. I mean, that's why I started off. I started off too strong with my plant guy story. Miguel should be my fucking closer. That's the most <laughs> interesting thing that happened to me in the last three months. <laughs> But it's true, you're not doing it. And there's also there's no sports, there's no, you know, there's no activities. There's just fat ass Latinas drinking fucking ice drinks on the on the street by me. And there's no there's nothing to do. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm trying to and it's probably worse off for you, number one, since you're so you're such an offline dude and you're in New York, which yeah. is way more shut down than where we are. Yeah. Um Yeah. I was actually gonna compliment you because I've never seen you in an internet argument this week. I was uh, well, I was gonna say that today. Yeah, I don't. Um, I, I like to. I like to go on Twitter for for news. I've I I clicked on Facebook twice in the last year. Like mm -hmm. I, I just get to see notifications. If I get an email saying someone tagged you or sent something to you, I want to see what kind of maniac is trying to drum up some shit. But uh, I switched to Twitter. But Twitter's now becoming Facebook, and like I don't. That's why I like Instagram is most consistent because it doesn't it doesn't allow for you to put out a political message or or a personal message just trying to to draw up any attention it's all attention whores and it's mostly filled with people that just want a, a quick laugh but they're like i don't know i it, i just it grosses me out it grosses me out that someone can spend people with kids will spend four to five hours a day online responding to absolute fucking maniacs in their parents basement how how does that even, what do you, I don't give a shit if you're, if you're staring into the sun for four hours, that's more productive than answering some fucking lunatic about his opinion on something. I don't give a fuck. I, I rarely give a fuck. I'm sorry. I'm getting nuts. No, about no, 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 no. Keep going, dude. I'm loving this. When we hang out, all of our friends, the reason I'm closest to, to, to our circle of Philly guys is because it never once are we going to go, is this, do you think this is funny? What do you, 
what do you think about this? Or let's talk about what's going on. It's the this, this small sphere of comedians thinking that what they do is interesting is baffling and disgusting to me. When, when shit is real in life, especially during this pandemic, and I open this phone to see a five-minute fucking, a five-minute stand-up set from someone posting five years ago, like, you think I give a fuck about you? Like, are you so delusional? I know that like, people are like, well, you got to find humor in something when everything sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go, out, go outside and fucking play a game. Go a football with a mailman. Like, fuck that. I don't want to how funny your old sketch was. Suck my dick. <laughs> and this is why I got into plants because I need something to fill this fucking heart. <laughs> but I don't know this, if this comes with age, but I've always been like this. John's always been like this. And, and coming up, uh, you know, we started, I started 28 years, 29 years old and, and it was 2008. And, you know, we were worried about being oversaturated, posting too much. And we had the ability and the mindset and the creative, uh, energy to create a weekly video and, and create a brand and you know be a full force we had a podcast going that was 12 years ago so we had the the, the in the hindsight we had the, the instincts but we didn't follow through because we were fearful of exactly this negative uh, output of like post 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 i just was never that person i've never been and i never will i'd rather just go take a walk in a park and, and make fun of someone uh, rather than do it online man that was Jesus Christ, dude. I'm sorry. You pulled my fucking cord. Nope. I, that's, you know, there's only a few things I get worked up about and it's, it's over. I had uh, no idea that was going to touch such a, uh, I, I didn't know that was going to spin you out like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm thrilled. Uh, and, uh, I, I mean, I, I, I love everything you, uh, just said, dude. Tommy, go, yeah, I'm sorry, uh, go ahead, buddy. I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, no, no. Go I was going to say to that point, um, the thing that you added at the end about going to a park and making fun of someone. There is something magical in that, not to the point where you're hurting someone's feelings, but just saying to someone, look at this fucking guy. There was yeah. something that happened today. My wife, my family and I, we were driving back from the beach and right as we were about to cross the bridge to get on the parkway, we saw a fat cyclist in bicycle gear. <laughs> and, I, and I said, James, check out Lance Chicken Parmstrong. <laughs> <laughs> and she's, she's like, take a picture and post that. And I said, no, one, because oh. that's mean. And two, sometimes I just want things to be between us. Well, yeah. the, not let's not, not forget anymore. the last time you did that. <laughs> Mike. What? Mike. What? Mike. I, don't, I, don't I, don't there, was, there was a time that you did this. Uh, it's probably like two years ago. You took a picture of a fella who was like on a broken Segway cruising down the street. And you were uh, like, yeah. you're like, ah, like you just posted a picture of him to laugh at it. And someone was like, um, actually this is Reginald. Like, so, like he was some local dude <laughs> and now. you really ruffled some feathers. I did. And that's probably one of the things that ended up dissuading me from doing that again. But I, I would not want to just, I'm at a point now where I wouldn't just put somebody out there just True. to make fun of them. True. Just a normal person, just yeah. to make fun of them. It is. Yeah, it is just fun to imagine you saying to Jamie, like, Jamie, I'm not gonna make fun of this guy on the internet. He doesn't need that in his life. And then the reality yeah. being, like, you got yelled at for making fun of a dude on a jazzy <laughs> runabout three years ago. <laughs> this is gonna. This is a stretch for, for me to say this, but it's there's almost a correlation between like when 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 you grew up, where you grew up, and your social awareness of what's correct. So like, the reason we all hang out and bust each other's balls and bust other people's balls, and and we get more fulfillment and I'm just being naturally funny 
and being on your toes around one another in a circle where like it's constant jokes, constant jokes, constant jokes. That's because we grew up in playgrounds where you were insecure and you had to defend yourself or you had older brothers where you had to defend yourself from like, you know, coming down the steps in the morning. I got I, every day, every day I got crushed for whatever the fuck I was wearing. So then I would prepare the night before, like I got, I got this bus coming. I got this bus coming. If he says my fucking shoes are gay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about hairline. I'm gonna fucking, and I had, I would like prepare myself. And I think there's a correlation with kids that are born just beyond that technological break. Whereas like I'm 40 years old. I know you guys are close, but um, we didn't have that advancement of technology quite yet. So we're still in the park developing and sharpening our, our fucking wise ass spear. Right. Mm -hmm. So like I know how to defend myself in any situation to feel comfortable. A lot of uh, comics and people that I that I meet along the way in the past decade didn't didn't have that same situation. So they think comedy is is developing a, a fundamental joke with a twist at the end. And it's all about your mind. If you're smart, you can develop a very bright joke on stage and and and, and have enough balls to bypass your autism for fucking five minutes and get a couple laughs. And yeah. in our circle, that's why I don't get a kick out of like uh, the desire for Twitter to, to to captivate me or create a false world that that, that I that because I lived it like I lived a, a fun, interesting world where all my aunts and uncles were batshit crazy with 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 mental and and uh, you know drug abuse issues, and it was just a constant fucking carnival. And I only get that from people that live the same carnival, and I refuse yep. to try and suck this dry. You suck the stone dry from from a bunch of boring pussies. Tommy, that's one of the things that surprised me about comedy. I just thought it would be incessant ball breaking. Everybody just fucking left free for all. And I quickly realized there were very few people I could do that to because most people that you do that to, they immediately retreat into a shell and then it's no fun. Yeah. And then it's like, all right, do I apologize even though I was just fucking kidding or let yeah. it go? And now yeah. if you did that to somebody, it would just it would just be a fucking 300 word essay. Yeah. On how, on how problematic you are. Meanwhile, I'm just making fun of your fucking dumb shoes. Listen, yeah. man, I fucking I remember my dad saying that his generation was a dying breed. This is this is bad. Technology's ruined everything and, mm -hmm. and including our our ability to to associate with, with uh yeah. Can we actually please not stigmatize being a fucking dork? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We need to we need to normalize being a fucking dildo. Yeah, I'll I'll die on the dildo and door kill. You know what, what one benefit of first of all, this is not a great way to grow up. It's not a great way to live, but the, the choice was made. It's all right. like, what are we going to fucking dwell on it for the rest of our lives? Or are we just going to operate the way we know how and uh, yeah, make the improvements where we can? But one thing that we don't have is I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I, <laughs> I never get stuck in a situation where I'm like, ah, I should have said this. You know what I mean? After after any yeah. kind of interaction that yeah. just goes in the pockets like, ah, all right, I'll get him next time. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think this uh, again, I can't I, I feel like a dildo for keep saying this industry, but like this until i started this industry i never felt insecure about anything because i wasn't going on daily auditions and bombing and then going on you know on stage at night bombing again and i had to wake up going why am i trying to impress people i don't give a fuck about all for the wrong reasons where i just left the city that i loved and the people i love to create content that i loved and now it's just a, it's a, a you know a reworking of what matters to me wow well, the, the course is being corrected now dude huh the course is being corrected as we speak yeah. Yeah, well, I think after a while you realize it doesn't matter. And, uh, you know, mm -hmm. plants being a perfect example of me hitting 40, things matter differently to you as you get a little older and uh, realize, oh, you can bypass some of these corners and, and not play the game of someone that's going to infect your mind in a negative way and, and ultimately affect your actions in a negative way. You can you can be yourself 
as long as you surround yourself. I think McKeever taught me this more than anyone is like surrounding yourself with, with like-minded individuals that are better than you in many ways is the most success you'll ever find. And whether that's through an emotional connection, an educational connection, a creative connection, you know, to, whether someone's funnier than you on a consistent basis or someone that makes you reflect. And that's both of you. Butterly is one of the funniest human beings I've ever met in my life. And Michael, you made me, you made me think about things in a different light, in a humanistic uh, light that I've, that, you know, just saying, I love you or reaching out and telling one of your best friends why they're your best friend at a random moment. I remember the first time you texted me, I was like, dude, get off the Ben Franklin bridge. It's not, yeah. Fucking working. You can't be telling me these personal things. You're gonna suck a hose full of fucking thoughts. You gotta be killing yourself. But then I'm like, wow, it's if you mean it, obviously is is most important. If you fucking mean it, but reaching out to someone and being honest and open and vulnerable is a powerful thing. And that, that only came with age and experience. Dude, that's a hundred percent the truth, man. And and I feel that way about each one of you guys. Like, like there's only I would say there's maybe like five people that I would talk to. <laughs> Um, take the time to talk to just to ask like what's going on, whether it's like text or, or fucking calling. And you two guys are are, are two of them. Fucking Gerben, um, McKeever, you know, fucking McCusker now. And it's like you know, I just feel like, and I view people the same way. Anybody I associate with, like they're better than me in some capacity. And all of you guys are that. Yeah. And I, it's it's you know, I know the opposite can be like I see it a lot primarily in women, where it's just like a really hot chick will surround herself with the ugliest, fattest bitches. <laughs> yeah. where I, I, yeah. I, I my mindset is the exact opposite yeah there, there's no shame in being the sixth man if you're on the all-star team hell yeah dude you know what i'm saying yeah the, we're like a voltron of white trash dildos like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we all add to this giant machine that makes us all better we're like sorry. a we're like a voltron uh, that you got to sell for parts <laughs> eventually yeah <laughs> i was talking to connor about this last night he's creating a piece um i'm not gonna say what it is it's cartoon yeah it's cartoon yeah he's talking about it on here yeah, we were catching a dart in the backyard and, and we were speaking on a similar level of like surrounding yourself with, with such a web of interesting perspective people that that make your product better. Because, you know, if you can create something on paper, that's fine. But if you put it in someone else's voice, let them go. Like what we did with you guys on set um, for everything we've created. It's like I have a message I want you to say, but do it in your own fucking way. Mm-hmm. And you have a, a mixed bag of all these different messages that then align with your message but they're so remarkable and it's like you know it's like planets gravitating towards the sun and um and and that's what makes plants grow (laughs) (laughs) have you done mushrooms recently tommy (laughs) oh man no i'm sorry sorry. Uh, absolutely not first of all this is we get accused of this all the time but it's true this is a this is this platform is for slurping each other off and slurping each other off only dude well that's the concept of your show and that's why i think it's so wonderful because you know, being gay again for me is like, <laughs> like once you get that fucking touch of vulnerability and the capability of, of like feeling good and making other people feel good, like other people should try it. And all you're doing all day long is making some dude in a bread truck who wants to murder his kids feel good for a moment. They're like, ah, I shouldn't stab him. I, Fred's got one more night, you know, like you're just yeah. trying to push people in yeah. a positive light and you're doing it. And there's no going back after that, too. And when you when you open those pathways to people who might be hesitant to do those things, when they start communicating to you in the ways in the ways that you're communicating to others, it, there's no turning back. And it just feels like a whole new world is fucking opened up when you can be open and honest with people, not only open and honest with people, but it also helps you to to refine your focus and realize what you should be spending your time doing. Yeah. 
And it also starts to bleed in other aspects of your life that have nothing to do with your, you know, your job. Or well, <clears throat> it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, I was thinking blue earlier. When it's you, yeah. <laughs> you want to yeah, spread some of the love to your <laughs> Look, if you uh, love your boys, dude, give them fat meat. Make their fucking bird thick. Give them a hundred and five percent hard wiener. What uh, an awkward shift of boner pills. No, 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 no. I love uh, <laughs> that. Actually, ties into what you were talking to earlier. How there's like there's no life to be lived right now because of yeah. the lockdown and shit like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, may, I think you'll agree with me. I think there is there is some there to be wrung out if you put the effort in. Like, dude, just just doing the UFC streams with you guys. Mm-hmm. And like to me, that's that's first of all, we're not out at a bar. We are together and we're all kind of concentrated on each other. So it's, it's almost like uh, a concentrate of the time that we would spend together. Because there's right. no distractions. It's just us and our boys. We, we, how many times do we do the UFC streams and we, we forget to even like watch the fights? Like we'll miss know, entire right. fights just because yeah. we're spending time together. And um, that's bled over into like the, the, the beautiful little uh, community that's building up around dad meat. It's like yeah. it, there is a place on the Internet. <laughs> at least maybe this is selfish. Maybe this is just all for me. But now when I go on the Internet, I actually get to interact with people who uh, are actually interested in each other and actually interested in, you know. You can still be fucking. First of all, all these people crush me every time uh, we make an episode. I get hit with a Photoshop of me looking like a fucking idiot, <laughs> and it makes me laugh every single time. But I also know that there's no. I mean, that's to me, that's affection. It feels, it yeah. feels affectionate. Yep. And you uh, fucking roast it. You, you put him on a Brad Pitt body. Fuck you. Nah. <laughs> Even a fat roller skater. So that's how I'm living right now. I'm I'm connecting with people every day. Like we we talk to people that listen and people that join in every single day and like you know we are maybe we're kind of just like collaborating on one shared consciousness just like i don't know maybe we're all desperate to just at least know that someone else is out there trying to live and we're not all just like getting fat and drunk every day of quarantine and looking for shit to make us sad on the internet yeah good point i mean there's a bit of both it's uh (laughs) that's when the sun goes down i get uh hit that Hit the horn. And oh, the, sure. Uh, but, I mean, your day's done at that point. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with a nightcap. I'm not judging. Come on. Yeah. Well, I don't have fucking three kids. So I just made, uh, well, I just made edibles for the first, I just made brownies for the first time. How'd that go? Along. Uh, a, a disaster. It was a complete disaster. I had no idea how much to put in, and I I ate one brownie, and uh, I realized I also made a mistake because I just wanted brownies, so I just we- wanted to just keep eating. So uh, I got to the point where, like, it felt like my entire body was, like, buzzing, and I feel yeah. like I wasn't even on the couch anymore. I didn't have a panic attack or anything, but I was like, wow, I can't do anything right now. I'm. Is that, I, I see fucking Diaz do that on, on Rogan. Like, the desire to get that lost is nah. so fucking to me. I can't even hear people talk about being so fucking lost. I don't like it. And high. I feel, yeah. like, I feel like I was made of yarn, and all the yarn was rubbing against the other yarns. <laughs> Not a great sensation. Probably yeah, hard to explain. Uh, I can't, it's, it's the anxieties. It's, it's too much. I'm not a, I'm not chemically made for, for that kind of high. I don't know how to do it. I've been trying to get into it. I got some gummies sent to me from a buddy uh, out West and I took, it's like five milligrams. It's, it's nothing. That's, that's, that's it's, perfect. Dude. That's a nice that's afternoon. That's, come on. I hear these motherfuckers talking about 200 milligrams. I'm like, well, now I feel like a pussy and I got to up it. And then I, I did 10 once and I was out of my fucking gourd for like 12 hours. Just, I woke up hungover. Cotton mouth. Yeah. Just, Surrounded by plants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I got three plants. I went up to Miguel. I was like, are you up? 
<laughs> no, I don't. Uh, I, I can't fuck with weed. I'm trying to learn how to do it. So if any of your fans want to teach me, I, I have the speed high uh, or a speed chemical makeup. I don't know if that's sativa or the other one. I always um, forget. It doesn't matter. Oh, it's, it's yes, body it's, high and, and mind high. I, I don't I don't want to shut this down. I want to shut. Yeah, down. I'm not going to tell them the difference. Probably a CTE symptom. I heard somebody say uh, the difference between indica and sativa is think of indica as in the couch. Like you're, oh, you're yeah. not going anywhere. <laughs> I will about, remember that. What about both? Like, can you can you find a mix? Because I don't like I don't like like opioids where they just like or Valium where they just make you. <laughs> yeah, could you get like a uh, half indica, half perk thirty? Yeah, can you do that? I'm dead serious. Is that like a it's a strain? Yeah, you get hybrid. Man, every fucking cast I'm on, I act like a goddamn dad. You know what? A, a good way to level yourself off, Tommy, is to take an oxycontin and put clamps on each of your nipples. <laughs> <laughs> Keeps you up. <laughs> we got a we got a message on our Patreon this week. Uh, well, first of all, every I would say two to three weeks, Mike sends out a blast to everyone on the Patreon, and it's it's always uh, hey, just checking on you guys, see how you, you know how's everyone how's everyone making out. Hit us up yeah. if you if there's anything we can do for you guys, and uh, we get a lot of genuine interactions out of that. Again, dude, I'm living my life on the internet the best I can. I'm, I'm plugging in. And uh, we got we got a response last week. I, it might have been a new patron, but it was like, "What the fuck is this? Is this a real message or is this automated?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, dude, Mike, so genuine." Mike does this shit all the time. <laughs> yeah, like I, <laughs> I imagine if you heard like a, a more recent episode and we're we're completely loosened up and we're we're not in the throes of uh, depression. Yeah, you, you might maybe maybe you could miss the fact that uh you know we're we're trying to do a service. But, yeah. uh, I mean, any bub that's been here from the beginning knows what the fuck we're about. And it's so cool finding out, like, what people's lives entail, and they try to play it off like it's no big fucking deal. Like, one of the things that I was wowed by recently was just communicating with a dog um, pretty close by to us, um, not a couple hours away from Philly. He's like, yeah, man. He's like, I own a bison ranch, and if you guys ever want to stop out, I was just like, yeah, I would love to fucking come hang out with bison. Incredible. It, it, like how people glorify the dog shit that we do. And then like, that's all I would love to be a yes. range fucking manager. Well, dude, one of very early on, uh, since when we started dad meat, uh, there was a guy that, that, um, we started communicating with, um, we had mentioned how much we would love to just come out to the desert and just get spaced out. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, he's like, I got to space out in Arizona. If you want to come, I, I decided like, I'm going to let him murder me. You have to. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm going to insist. Kind of, you got to do a little background here, right? Is he is he trying to yeah. eat your ass or is he trying to like actually hang no, out? It just seems like a guy that it seems open to just letting people come and do cool shit. Yeah, that's awesome. It'd be now, it's a definite plus if he would murder me. That's kind of like a Stanhope's attitude, right? I mean, only to comics. Uh, but like he just has like this open yard. It's like, yeah, come out here. Let's go fucking hang out. I don't know if they just eat hot dogs and get fucked up. But uh, I don't fuck. Know. <laughs> <laughs> It sounds great. Just Are you a desert guy, Tommy? Michael. No. <laughs> oh, good fucking lord. Tommy would do well on like one of those lakes in the desert. You know what I, I mean? Where like Cowboy Cerrone hangs out. I could, <laughs> I could sooner do the forest before the desert. The fucking, I'm a beach guy now, later in life, but I was a Poconos guy. I went to Lake Wampalpac every year. I love when you say Wampalpac. <laughs> it's so white trash. I, it's such a weird way. To, it's a, First of all, it's a weird word. It's a terrible word to say, let alone with a dog shit accent. I, I, I tried to lose my dog shit accent when I went to Drexel. I didn't know 
you, you weren't supposed to talk like this. And I'm like, yeah, you're retarded. And I was like, I'll fix this. And I did. It's a choice. So Brian Six, if you're listening, change the way you talk to me. But I'll say this. I, I fell in love with the mountains because it's just a different vibe, different people. Uh, it's different than the city life. Whereas the shore for us, everybody goes from Philadelphia, as you know, to South Jersey during the during the summers. But it's the same losers you you, you hung out with. So like the migration from Delco and Philly to South Jersey doesn't change the experience. It's crazy because they eat, they almost pack up the neighborhoods wholesale and they, they even yes. go to like yeah, insular neighborhoods. Point. Like, you know, who's going to North Wildwood, you know, who's yeah. going to Margate. You can tell yeah. just by where they're from. Yeah. It's like, and yeah. they talk about like going to like a specific, like, yeah, you got to go to fucking T, T Isles, whatever the fuck bar. And it's like, oh, so I can see the same fucking dildos that i hung out with at casey's 10 years ago this is a nightmare it's like going home the night before thanksgiving and seeing the same dickheads you never liked tonight uh, why am i doing this <laughs> all for the sun and a couple of waves that's what's been great for me later in life because i love i found out i love the beach and when you know nobody so like yeah. uh, we head out to like rockaway and jacob reese and stuff like that but um i'm a beach i'm a beach guy now i, I got a beach umbrella with has like parrots on it during quarantine i got a beach chair i got a beach a cup holder we got a blanket like i do it like an old man i do it like a, mm -hmm. like a family man with no kids and then i i, I packed a cooler full like a whole bottle of tequila and i get fucking ripped yeah right i know you yeah. i know you still make someone throw you a football so you could die for it in the sand <laughs> carrie makes fun of me all the time because i'll if i see two dudes like you know, coming by with a football, I just, I'm one of these guys. <laughs> Dude, we, she, I think she posted a video uh, when we went to Cuba. There was like two, there was a group of four like teenage kids throwing a football, which is really rare. I mean, it's because they, they were terrible at it because they're usually used to using their feet with a different ball. But, uh, and I immediately, I was like, this is my chance to, to feel like I'm home because it was five days ago. I hadn't, we, we locked our cell phones away. There's no service. And it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. So it's me and and uh, and these kids. I had like three or four balls, and they were like, "Whoa!" because they couldn't throw for shit. So they thought I was like some kind of wizard, some football wizard. And they're all getting excited. And I think I'm done because I don't want to take up their time. They're just kids talking about getting jerked off in parks and stuff. So I'm like, "Ah, I'm too old. This is weird. I don't want your dad coming down." And uh, so I head back to my blanket, and they come back, and they're like, "Hey, uh, he's trying to get this one kid to say we're gonna play." four on four and we need you basically it was the message i need you to play with us so we can play four on four and i'm like i i, I okay yeah i'll play four on four i was trying to avoid it because i know it's a big thing you're gonna have to play to at least 10 these kids and suck so like oh <laughs> and tommy um correct me if i'm wrong but you are legally required to tell them that you used to be a child quarterback correct <laughs> uh, from, from where we're from it's it's i stayed right out of that yeah but you know what though it's funny to joke about but tommy tommy was the quarterback for probably the most dominant fucking kids football team might maybe on the east coast outside of florida yeah five out of seven year championships and we lost once in the championship i still bring it up my brother actually tops me they they went an undefeated seven for seven seven championships at a seven champ with it was like a it was a small cohesive unit called the Drexel Raiders in, in, mm. in, in Delaware County that, uh, that had like elite coaching and we just fucking rolled on dudes. I remember my, my best friend Cooch from uh, Collingdale. They didn't beat, they didn't beat me once in seven years. Hilarious. Hilarious that I still have joy <laughs> about that. I just got a text from my father and he, he sent me like these MVP trophies and he's like, yeah, do you want, do you want these? And I'm like, 
no, what the fuck? What I want old trophies. And it kind of fired him up because I, I realized that he was tr probably trying to save them because my father was a legendary coach. And I could hear like the argument in the background about my mom trying to get rid of these for years. And he's like, all right, well, let's talk to Tom. He's going to love them. And uh, this will win it. And I was like, no, throw him out. He was yeah, like, you want to kill Tommy? It's part of his childhood. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the, the, the joy you, that, I, that I found in that league, uh, I hate to be this this dildo that says this right now, but I wrote an article for, uh, for the New York times based on concussions. And, um, and part of this story was, I feel bad for the kids that won't play the sport um, because they won't experience the, the life changing lessons and, and social cues that you get from being a member of a, of the TBI a club. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'll take a few concussions to learn some of these gifts in life that you can only get through these programs where they make you throw up by doing fucking calisthenics in August. And then you, you battle with these small kids and you look at them on screen, they're five to 12 years old. But in those years, I learned more about life, which directed you know, me as a person and my, my character and personality than, than anything would. And that will never happen again. Even the kids that are doing it due to technology aren't out in the park telling each other they're fucking, they're fat. <laughs> you know? So it's a, it's, a, it's a weird push and pull kind of thing. I don't even remember the original question and I apologize again. I talked a lot. No, but I'm glad I got started on this because they're, they're, that is like one of the things that will be so difficult for kids to be able to replicate now. It's like there, there's some kind of magic in being respectful and taking the words to heart of a guy who's worked a fucking 12 hour day and is still in his work clothes, screaming yeah. at you, telling you how to throw a block. Yeah. Yeah. Also like the, the, the drills, the drills implemented a set of fears that I, I never knew I had because as a quarterback, you're protected. You're not usually, you're not usually putting, if you, you see it from every level, I give you a red Jersey. Don't touch this guy. He's the guy that has to play every down or whatever. But in my little unit they would put me head to head with Haley Billy Haley yeah and this dude made a, a, a you know when like a, a professional baseball player hits a home run the crack of the bat mm -hmm. it's like nothing else this dude would go helmet to helmet with every dude and just make kids forget their future <laughs> and the helmet, the helmet like after game if we played like a, a blue team a red team it would just like earn stripes and just and you just saw like the making of a fucking lunatic on this dude's head and you knew right then this kid's gonna be a fucking animal his whole life this is a pure, pure indicator but we did this head-to-head -head, um head-to-head -head drill you'd lay in your back you'd stare at this guy you're sucking for air through this fucking this uh this mouthpiece and I know I'm so scared because I know what this kid's capable of. And you think they're going give, to give you someone soft and Millicent blows the whistle. He's like, all right, Papa, get up there. Um, let's make this interesting. He's like, Haley. And I was like, ah! <laughs> and immediately I felt this fear. And that changed going through a couple uh, skill sets like that, like being exposed to fear. This is going to be the most outlandish thing I said tonight, but like, Imagine a, a soldier getting his first shot off at his gun or like, uh, you know, explosion around them. They, they react a little differently. That's why in boot camp, they blow shit up all over the place. So you're ready for it. Getting that done at an early age is like, you know, your first fist fight, getting punched in the face for the first time. It changes the course of your personality development and who you are as a person, let alone a, a leader, a potential leader. And uh, that you can only get through that fucking youth organization and get rocked. What's that maniac Tom, kid doing these days? 
Uh, installing a train horn in his pickup truck. <laughs> Fucking true. And <laughs> offline, I'll tell you uh, the experience I've had in that truck with him. <laughs> I can't say it. This is probably going to go up. Uh, on <laughs> but uh, yeah, he picked me up from uh, uh, what's that, that joint? Who cares, Tom? Anyway, yeah, at a bar, we hung out at a bar and then uh, went out to his car and then I heard the horn. It's uh, it was a, it was Tip O'Leary's. You took us to uh, Maggie's after that. Yes, Maggie's. It was typical. And it was like uh, they were open late, and uh, I was seated next to an off-duty cop who uh, told me the N-word in the course of of like three minutes of conversation. He told you the N-word? Yeah. (laughs) I was like, what does this mean? I hear that. Mike, I hate to break it to you, but... That's how woke he was from growing up in Glen Olden, you know. (laughs) was it, Glen Olden? Where'd you grow up? Lane's not Glen Olden. Upper Darby. Upper Darby, okay. Yeah. Jesus. When I said that online, that's permanent, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I, again, I don't remember the um, the original question, but uh, but yeah, I, I I think I can. Is, maybe that's a common experience: is that you were you were forced to uh, do something extremely uh, fearful, yeah, and you weren't allowed to back out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they talk about um, the science behind the the element of fear being necessary for for creating a permanent memory and 90 percent of my permanent memories at at my adolescent years up to 12 13 years old came through a scared moment or a frightening moment of 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 physical violence inside the house on the street or on the football field there was um about a year ago i remember i was coaching at a at a jujitsu tournament and a bunch of the kids, you know, if kids get fucking smoked. They don't want to go back out. But I think as you know, you're their caretaker in that situation. You have to convince them to go back out there. And a lot of times you also have to convince the parents to send them out there. And there was one definitive moment where a kid didn't want to go out there. And I was explaining to her why she had to go back out there. Then the mom jumped in and said, no, she's not going to do it. And yep. I could immediately see how this is going to affect her life. Having that kind of influence, constantly saving her from these situations. Yeah. I mean, Tim said it earlier about like, it's not the optimal way to, to be raised, but uh, there were elements of, if not for those situations, I wonder what, you know, what I would be like, you know, I, it's, it's, it's uh, the negatives, even, even in the household negatives. I'm like, I, I understand. I get it. It was tough for them. Like, a, you know, you're, you're exposed to elements of physical and emotional and psychological abuse that you can't explain if I had a kid, I wouldn't want that to happen then. But then if you go on the other side of the coin to like just sports and community activities, I also don't want to be a helicopter parent. I want them to experience those, those things through, through sport or through academics or through whatever the fuck. I don't care if it's a group of fucking nerds doing flute, like get them in something so that they can learn how to adapt and be uh, versatile, like a chameleon. Now put a, put failure on the table and leave yeah. it there. Yeah, if they don't get hit on a field, you got to punch them yourself in the kitchen. <laughs> Dude, I'm having the hardest time with my with my uh, nine year old because uh, he's been in jujitsu for like two years now. He memorized, he like he know he picks everything up, he pays attention, he knows how to do it, and then it's like, okay, go, and he just will not like push anyone at all. Like yeah. he, he'll just like, all right, I'll just lose. You you look like you really want this. You go ahead and take it. And uh, I don't know what it is. God damn it. 
Uh, He's like, what'd you say, pussy? Someone's mowing my window. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be great if he just punched you directly in the face. (laughs) He just jumped a dirt bike through the front window. Yeah, that'd be (laughs) great. Uh, Yeah, I I don't know what the fuck it is, man. Because I think there's like a positive trait about him that makes him not want to assert himself against people. But at the same time, it's like there is a line that and like all this is pretend. This is all practice. So it's I, I don't know how to. Motherfucker, dude. There's a there's a parade outside. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how to uh, break it down to him. Like, look, at some point, someone's not going to be playing with you, and you're going to have to like fight them. Yeah. Uh, I don't, are all kids like convinced now that no one's ever going to fight them ever? Great question. I have no idea. I, I never am. wanted to fight as a kid, and yet I always knew it was going to happen, and it happened. Dude, <laughs> and, uh, most uh, most of the fight videos I watch online. Oh, Jesus, Tom. Um, you're in good company. Like, you some kid that wasn't exposed to like those certain elements. And you could see the, ch- the life changing moment when they, you can tell it's the first time I've ever been slapped or punched. They're just yeah. like, you know, that, that shock wave that goes through your system. Like, Oh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't act like that. I shouldn't do that. Hmm. But Tim, just know that the shit is sinking in and it, it's gradually, I think it's just like a, like an on off switch uh, case in point at Monday's kids class. Um, the last sparring of the day, he was matched up with somebody who turned his back and Ben took his back. He did it twice. Oh, all right. Well. I, sh- I should have probably texted you this, but <laughs> but it, it was it was enough to, to where like I noticed that I was watching somebody else and I noticed him do it twice to the point where I went over and complimented him because because he did it in two separate situations. Yeah. So, I mean, even though those situations might be happening, like there there is shit that's going on behind the scenes where it's just like okay i know to do this in this situation yeah he's also he's he's the way i was he was very he's very sweet so kids at school mm-hmm. might make fun of him but then he also can fire back a little bit verbally but no one ever like crosses the line with him i guess he's kind of like disarming in how sweet he is on the other hand my daughter has been in fights and like outnumbered at school and so she knows that like eventually you might have to fuck someone up so yeah. i don't have that problem with her uh thank goodness um, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I have a hard time picking out like which traits to uh, preserve in kids and which ones to terrify out of them. Man, I mean, I feel bad for even speaking so much on this because I have no idea. I, you know, like you guys, you guys would know. How well, you're speaking, you know, in your own experiences. <laughs> yeah, 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 I am. But I don't. It's different. It's different these days. You, you don't know what the. You know, I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine like the push and pull, knowing your kid is both capable of taking control but also not assertive and aggressive, which is a positive thing, but it depends on mm-hmm. it's for sport. Are they capable of, you know, ch- turning it on just for those moments, but then getting back into this passive understanding and sweet, you know, childlike ability. I just they worry that he'll never are. get punched in the face and he'll grow up to become a comedy journalist. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, one of the most, one of the most gratifying things I had ever seen, uh, personally gratifying and also gratifying for my son too was watching him compete and work through adversity struggle through losses to get his first victory and then also his first submission and quick you know very early on when it became when it became evident that like kids in tournaments are a different breed than the kids you face in classes um seeing that look in the eyes think thinking like fuck how am i going to do this am i going to be forced to do this but then going back out there and actually performing and getting a desired result you can yeah. see something change in them yeah. that you know it would be difficult to replicate anywhere else. Um, since you guys, to that point, do you, do you guys have experience in watching other kids going, they don't have it? You know, like, yeah, yeah. I imagine that's the gift of a good coach going, like, 
yeah, he's talented in, in a, a certain bubble, so to speak, um, with his abilities. But when, when given the opportunity to, to shine in the moment, he just you can't turn it off. For sure. You, can't, you beat it out of him. You're not going to fucking. No, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> like in football, you can, you actually, that's the best, I think, of all the sports. You know, I, I only play baseball, football, and basketball, but that's the only opportunity for a coach to physically change that fucking mechanism of you being frightened. And that only comes through violence, right? So like, if you're scared to run the ball, they're going to run you into a fucking pit of killers at whatever age it is until you go, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. But when it's one-on-one combat, how long does that take? And does it ever change? It's an interesting. Thought. I think it's, it's different for every kid. Um, any kid that I've seen compete on a regular basis, eventually you see that subside. And yeah. I think co- competition is the real where you, you separate the fucking the wheat from the chaff. At that point, it's like, all right, you're, you're molding somebody. Whereas like class, it's it's great. You know, you have to show up for class and it can be fun. Whereas like with competition, like the kids, like the kids feel the same thing as the adults do when you walk in there. You got to shit. You feel like you got to shit. Yeah. The, sec- <laughs> the second you smell the, the, the venue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The second you smell the venue, the mat, hear the old wrestling coaches yelling yeah. before competitions and like that kind of shit, you know, whether they get it now or they will likely get it later on. They know they've already experienced, you know, performed in those kind of conditions. Yeah, uh, when I when I first get there and it's time for me, like a, on like a competition day, I want to take all my clothes off because <laughs> because like whether so in jujitsu, you sometimes you're wearing the gi, sometimes you're just wearing like the you know fucking tights and shorts and shit like that. But no matter what I'm wearing, I instantly feel like, how is this so heavy? How could I possibly perform as an athlete with all <laughs> over encumbered right now? And uh, it's just obviously it's like a, an excuse. But yeah, dude, it, that's that's where I go. Tim, you, sh- you, you should just weigh in like an extra nine times. <laughs> I just want to be sure. <laughs> were you guys, were you guys afraid of uh, I was afraid of ugly kids growing up. I was terrified of ugly children when I was growing up because I always thought I maybe maybe this is uh, I don't know. I had some experiences with very ugly kids growing up. Like, I mean, like <laughs> fucked up faces, you know, their teeth fell out in a bad order. Their baby teeth fell out, and some of them were fucking punched out by like stepdads and shit. And every single no one had good haircuts when we were kids. Like, no, we, kids today have like TV haircuts. When I was a kid, yeah. everyone looked like they escaped from a hospital yeah. with their hair. Yeah. Dude, every- that kid that's like, you know, he goes to like the public school around the corner, but like he. You could tell his like his mom's cutting his own hair in the basement. He's not nourished. He's got a couple of bruises. We I have so many fucking references. Scabs all over his face. <laughs> I would never. And it, there's, there's always knee scabs that like never heal. And I, <laughs> a constant peel like a cicada. Like it's like, <laughs> guys. He's reworked somehow. And like I only got fucked up. Like you know, once a week you get in a, in a not just a scuffle, but like physically you're worn down by, by doing sports or playing with your friends at a park. So you're always active. The dudes that scared me the most were the ones that were <laughs> never active, but, but had the scars of someone that was the most active. <laughs> Dude, I never see you on this park. Why do you have elbows and knees and forehead bruises? You're fucking. <laughs> it's all just chain wallet scrapes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it was like 25 to 35. I start thinking back on these people like, 
oh, and then it would just finally hit like, that's that's just all family and and that you know that's an unfortunate upbringing. That's why you got killed with a fucking ice pick. You know, like <laughs> I get it. You don't need control at home. Being poor always bought every kid a lot of uh, undue credibility. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, we all had fucking fucked up haircuts, and we all looked like we called our dad's paw. Yeah, <laughs> I said this on uh, on like Foley's uh, uh, Foley and Ryan's. Are you garbage? But, um, you know, the clearest sign of being poor is, is like if you hide it by f- faking it so hard. Like my mother's attempt at, at pretending that we weren't in the income bracket that we were was so grandiose. And I think that's why I still spray cologne on my fucking face to go to the supermarket. Because like I, I, ha- I have this innate, you know, need to fake my, my success and wealth because that's what that's that's bred into you from your parents going yeah don't walk out there with a hole in your khakis it's like <laughs> you're not gonna buy me fucking new ones yeah. so you know it's just a constant battle yeah. grown out of that is why you don't have a china cabinet covered in dust <laughs> yeah that's a good sign it's a good start we have china we, dude we cannot be poor we have nice plates have you seen yeah. the fucking plates dude take a look it's so true no we can't use them at thanksgiving it's so true. you scratch them we can't fucking replace them Dude, the angriest I ever saw my mom get was when I was I had an indoor basketball hoop and me and my buddy Martin LaPont, I, I, I don't know if I should say his last name, but he was he was a Polish immigrant and we were fucking dunking on this thing in my living room. And my mom had these two uh, crystal uh, candle holders and Martin dunked it and bricked it off the back of the rim and it bounced over onto the table and it broke one of the crystal candle holders. And my, my mother fucking screech squealed as though like she found my father dead of a self-inflicted gunshot wound in the tub (laughs) she fucking she grabbed martin by the back of his neck and she threw him out of the house and at the time like she didn't talk to me for like two weeks but it wasn't until (laughs) i got older that i realized like oh shit it's because we're poor and she finally got something nice and now she didn't have that thing yeah you know what's crazy is you used to you used to get hit by other kids parents when you were a kid (laughs) (laughs) dude my boy cooch's father was the most fit it's the scariest character I've ever met in my life. We were so frightened because we would fuck around the basement. Obviously, we'd just come down and be like, hey, Rob. You just yell that from the top of the steps, and I knew just never. <laughs> I remember one time I ran out of a friend's house. Uh, I, 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 we were doing something dumb, probably just being too loud playing Sega, and his mom was furious about us, like knocking something. I don't know. But she was like, she was charging at him. And as I was like getting out of the path, she was like, she was like, you're next. Like, I'm going to fuck you up when I'm done with him. And I ran out of this fucking house around the corner. I ran all the way home because I don't want to get fucked up by this dude's mom. Dude, this my, my boy's dad. This is actually one of the first memories I have of him, like, like scaring the fuck out of me. The Sega thing. Remember when you'd start Sega, we go, Sega. Mm-hmm. We taught his young brother to go. Dildo. <laughs> Dude, he was fucking five. Because so <laughs> we play Sega for hours in the fucking bunker basement, and you hear the door, you hear his Frankenstein feet, and you go, "Hey, Rob, hey, come here a minute." <laughs> And I was like looking for exits through like one of those fucking. Oh, dude, come here a minute. (laughs) I'd rather hear a gun cock than come here a minute. (laughs) Dude, I actually had one experience where like it was the exact opposite where this kid's mom was just 
nicer than she probably should have been. We were like 16 and having a basement party with Bud Ice and Zima. And <laughs> it was just there was there were probably at least five kids who were who were who had alcohol poisoning at that point. And rather than address the situation directly, she um she she wrote a note, folded it and threw it down the stairs. And then the, somebody's like, yeah, turn off the music. And they're like, didn't did something just come down the stairs? And my friend Tim went over and opened it up. And it was a note from his mother saying, Timmy, I, I don't mind some drinking, but I, I, I cannot allow binge drinking in my house. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> Where's he today? Doing pretty well. Yeah. He's good, man. I don't know if I did. I tell the, uh, the, the actually, I probably didn't, but I don't want to tell a story twice on this fucking show. I've only been here twice, but uh, there's a, I think it was high school, like ju- sophomore year or junior year. We decided to, to drink some beers at my parents' house. And um, and I thought my mom wouldn't come home. She was a night nurse. So I was like, my dad's out. Let's all hang out. It was me and like four of my boys. And we, we put this like bottle or this uh, this case of Bush bottles behind this one door that we had. And we'd all mm-hmm. be playing pool and, and fucking off. And then all, we, all of a sudden here, my mom come home. So we hide all the all the bottles and whatnot. She walks down the steps. The rest of the case is in the fridge. So now I have to figure out what the fuck I'm going to do with this case of, uh, of beer. No, my mother's coming home. She knows something's up. This is kind of weird. She starts asking my buddies questions. I pretend I got to go, you know, to the bathroom. I grab the the, the extra case, slide it underneath the the um, the kitchen table, thinking like she'll never fucking see this. It's it's close to twelve thirty. She comes upstairs. I go back down and I guess she decides to have a fucking bowl of cereal like a psychopath and kicks the case of beer. <laughs> and then I hear the same thing like, Tom, can, can you come up here for a minute? <laughs> and then I go upstairs. Cat's out of bag. She's like, bring all your friends up here. And I'm thinking, do, do not be that fucking rat parent. Don't call because I had like a couple other situations where they would get a call going, uh, your, your son's over at my house and they're drinking. And so I'm like, please, please, mom, please, I'm pleading. Don't, please don't do this because I'll look like a pussy at school and don't. <laughs> they're going to think I'm gay, mom. <laughs> I'm never going to fuck. They're going to think I'm gay. And she did something worse and she sat us all down. She, she pointed at it. She pointed at you and said, dildo. <laughs> <laughs> She sits us down in the living room and hands out pamphlets for Alcoholics Anonymous. (laughs) And then gives me, uh, it was Izzy, Mullen, Rothline, Ronan, like just a bunch of us just like, you know, we're still on like six beer days, just like hanging out, like fucking. And then she's she's giving speeches on like how this is going to change the course of your life you know these small moments and she's speaking like this and i'm like oh my fucking god you're ruining everything i've tried to, st- <laughs> to start like you i'm fucked i'm fucked you i got a crazy mom trying to talk my my kids or my buddies into into going to aa because it's over 15 <laughs> and boozing playing pool jesus christ did you feel all them just like seething with Dude, anger one, and hatred toward you that's the whole time just, <laughs> just cracking up like it didn't fucking matter because his parents were degenerates so he's like what's gonna happen to me this is just the greatest thing i'm witnessing it's like, you're getting embarrassed in front of your mom oh, <laughs> but there was truly one dude that was like please don't call and then i, I remember staying up for like another hour and a half till my dad got home oh no and uh and the whole conversation there was like don't please don't tell him don't tell him and she's like i have to tell him <laughs> and uh 
and he, she did, and I thought I was going to get the belt, and she, uh, he ended up um, talking, talking me off the ledge because I, uh, my brother Stephen was forced to uh, to go to AA at like 18 because of my mom's behavior. So she, he knew she was like all over the place, like you know, way too much. Wait, was he yeah, like? Did, did he wait? Hold on, he your brother went to AA 18. Did he need to, or was that a punishment from your mom? Punishment. Absolute punishment. He's punished. Ooh. This dude's getting, you know, he's he's blacking out on the golf course for for four years. Now, granted. Time to play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It wasn't a bad idea. So, Tommy, if he's blacking out on the golf course, would it be fair to say that your behavior was on par? (laughs) There he goes, Mike. (laughs) You got to be sober to say something like that. Uh No, yeah, yeah, but later in life, she, I think she kind of softened up and realized that we were just fucking, you know, a bunch of white trash maniacs. But that's where you go to drink. You go to a park. Parker, how many times you get chased in a in a golf course and you just see like some fat dude running with like a flashlight and you're like, oh, I got a thirty minute head. That's almost part of the point. Part of the (laughs) part of the point is getting chased by a fucking cop who kind of doesn't give a shit because it happens all the time, but he also like wants to like put you through the paces. There was one dude in Drexel Hill. I'm sorry. Am I talking too much? No, you're our guest. Dude. Yeah, dude. Yeah. All right, all right. Shut the fuck up. So, uh, Tim, exactly right. There was like a 95% of cops who were like, let's scare these kids out of here. Like, it was like a Scooby-Doo commercial. Like, God, no fucking, don't be drinking it on the courts, kids. And they would act like they're going after you, but they don't want to do the paperwork. They don't want to rest. <laughs> ah, you rascals, get out of here. Yeah, they don't want to talk to the white trash dad that's like, yeah, not my boy. I can't possibly talk <laughs> my fucking Randy. Uh, and then... There was this one dude called we called Robocop who took his fucking job serious. And he would at one point he would he could chase you for miles and he was known for running you down, regardless of where the, the, the chase started and where it ended. There's this one time where Garrett or not Garrett for um Dermont Field. And when you enter the court at Dermont, it's about 150 yards from where we were drinking in this little uh, park bench. And it, we could see it's RoboCop because the courts lit up, which is why we weren't drinking on the court. And he has, he was blonde hair and he was like a machine, like the fucking. He like, sounds hot. Is he hot? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was hot cop. Hot cool. cop for cool. sure. Yeah, and jacked, like fucking Roy Jack. And he's walking slowly and he's just walking towards us, trying to break us up. And some of the younger kids, I think I was like a sophomore, the freshmen and sophomores are like, oh, fuck. And they just scattered like roaches. And this one dude, started talking shit because they knew it was RoboCop. And he's like, fuck you, RoboCop. You ain't shit, RoboCop. He's yelling from this this fucking, you know, this uh, park bench. And RoboCop just slowly picks up his pace. And he starts running. And this dude decides, I'm going to give him like 50 yards. Because right beyond this park bench, is a break in a little alley and you disappear from the, the visual of the entire field, which is huge. It's like a mile. But you go into the suburbs. So this dude was like, fuck you. Like just being trying to get his friends all riled up, takes off and he caught him. I mean, he took a right and then went like in an alley and then jumped the fence and then went there. But he caught him within like 20 minutes, just sniffed him out. And from that point on, like we never fucked with RoboCop. Here in your respect. I mean, how could you not? I mean, this, it would ruin your, 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 your career as a kid, as a respectable kid. What did he say RoboCop was like when he caught him? Was he all business or was he like, good chase, kid? Yeah, he didn't like, he was one of the dudes that like, he took his job a little too serious. He he thought like locking a fucking kid up or putting him in, you know, in a tank for 12 hours is going to change the course of society. He was one of those dickheads. 
Damn. I'm not so, trying to get chased into the woods by with a, by a cop by myself as a kid. Yeah. Especially a hot cop. It wasn't the woods. If it was the woods, I can understand him getting caught. He went into like the oh, okay, 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 yeah, All right. suburb, which is like there's no way he's gonna catch you. There's no fucking way. And I know the dude's name. I'm not gonna say it, but it like ruined his. I think he got suspended for the rest of the rest of the year. It's like a, a senior. Imagine that taking the Robocop of- got to be in the paper. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that story was way too long. It sucked. I'm so sorry. Stop it, dude. I hate when you do this. Yeah, I, you guys just stop. Stop wondering me. if you're talking too much. We asked you here because we wanted to fucking chat with you, and the more you tell us, the happier it makes us, and you're a compelling storyteller. Dude, you have maybe my favorite segment on uh, this not happening. Oh, that was fun. Yeah. So shut the fuck up, dude. Knock it off. There's none of that, dude. There's none of that second guessing, bro. This is this isn't even a podcast, like dude. This isn't even recorded. This I is just like us sharing a moment, bro. I feel like if you don't feel that about yourself, you're kind of a piece of shit. Like if you don't cut True. yourself off midway, you don't care. If you're like, no, 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 yeah, I care. Yeah, that's a good point. The worst quality is someone talking forever and then thinking they're entertaining or interesting, and they're just not. So that's my fear. I get well, it. I get you're it. Never, you're never that. And if you keep keep doing this shit, Tommy, we're we're gonna call RoboCop. We're gonna add him to this Zoom call. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been warned. You've been let off with a warning. All right, let's take a break. I got a refill water, uh, pee my pants, and uh, we'll we'll go over to the Patreon. Tom, can you stick around and jump into the Patreon with us? No, I'm out, man. My story's... Shut uh... the fuck up. (laughs) All right. Uh, Before we go, let's do Blue Chew. Hey. (laughs) Yeah. Go to BlueChew.com. Get a fat fucking bird. Promo code FATBIRD. It's the only... Go ahead, Mike. Sorry. Yeah, they're free. You pay five bucks for shipping. If you want a fucking rock hard bird, go there. BlueChew.com. Promo code FATBIRD. Also, real quick before we go, uh, I've been loosely following the uh, YouTube chat this entire time and just proving the point that I was making earlier uh, about this being like a fucking sweet community full of people um, having like genuine interactions and giving a shit. Like we're all on quarantine. We're all isolated. And then I, I come in here and I'm just watching people like gather around and talk about, you know, loss and sobriety and uh obviously goofing around and making fucking cum jokes which rules but um yeah fucking deep calm pops in talks about how he's just not letting himself you know be guided by negative experience and taking control of his own fucking path fucking lafferty talking about being 17 years sober today and you know uh to that point tim uh sean lafferty uh was on a team that beat the drexel hill raiders oh so we're gonna have to remind tommy of that well and now he's in recovery, so who really won? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy, there's a dude in the YouTube chat uh, who they, they beat you. Uh, or, yeah, one of the buck, fucking bubs, Sean Lafferty, yeah. Said he was on the uh, Ramblers. Lafferty. No, he didn't. La- Lafferty said they beat you. <laughs> and uh, Ask Laugh if he played. Is he talking about Colin Gale? Because I never lost Mike. He was a weight class above me. He is, and then he said, uh, your mom gathered all the kids after the game and handed out gay A pamphlets <laughs> to you and your teammates. So, I don't know, man. It's your word against his. You beat my son, you go to AA. That's just fucking rules. All right, thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, we'll see you over on the Patreon, and uh, if not, have a good weekend. Don't forget, tomorrow night, UFC, uh, Dad Meat Party, same YouTube channel, and uh, we're doing it live in Fishtown. I don't know if there's any tickets left. There might be like one or two, um, but you probably missed a chance. I don't know. Double check online. Uh, We'll talk to you guys later. Love you.